0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast.
2: Goodbye baseball. A walk-off winner for Mitch Haniger. Swing, line drive. This game is over. goodbye baseball mitch hattiger ties it up here in the bottom of the ninth inning
1: now here's your host gary hill and it's time again for the seattle mariners baseball podcast thanks for being here once again mariners lose to the cubs last night we'll talk about that in a few minutes we have a lot to get to in this one aaron goldsmith is here we got to well a couple of your questions not enough we just yapped and yapped and yapped. But that comes up in a few minutes. Hopefully you'll enjoy that. Braden Bishop, his first career start in a Mariners uniform. And Shannon Dreyer had a really great conversation with Braden in spring training. We're going to play some of that that I think you'll enjoy. Mariners and the Cubs game one of a very brief two-game series before starting a long road trip. Cleveland, New York, and Boston. Really good game last night, but... Didn't end up going in the Mariners' favor. A Back and forth game, Chicago scores the first couple of runs. One in the first, one in the fourth. Felix, so pretty good in the start. And then the Mariners, with some help, they put a three spot on the board in the fourth inning. And right in the middle of that was Braden Bishop.
2: And the lefties, 1-2 pitch, swing and a ground ball, third baseline, back at it, off the glove of Bodie, can't pick it up the brawl, rolling up the third baseline toward home. Here comes Beckham on to score, and the game is tied at 2-2. Two
1: two. Tied at 2-2, two to two, Mariners will take a 3-2 lead. But then a home run would change that. Chicago and the tug-of-war would take it back. But then Edwin Encarnacion would go yard in the seventh to give the Mariners a lead. The 2-2 from Kinsler.
3: Swung on, driven deep to left. There it goes, baby. Give that power to ride. Home run, Edwin Encarnacion. 5-4, Mariners here in the seventh.
1: And meanwhile, Felix gives the Mariners six innings in this one. And for the second start in a row, he would fan Eight. Here's a one-two pitch. Fastball, outside corner.
4: Strike three called. Inning over. Eighth strikeout in the ballgame. The one, two, three, six.
1: So Felix, six innings, four runs, eight Ks, just one walk. A couple of homers. Ross Cup would come on. He would pitch two-thirds of an inning. And then the rookie, Brandon Brenham, called on to get the Mariners through the eighth. But Kyle Swarber would hit a monster home run.
2: The 1-0 pitch, swing and a well-hit ball deep to right field, way out of here, goodbye baseball into the patio of the hit-it-here cafe. Kyle Schwarber with a long two-run home run, and the Cubs now lead 6-5 to five here in the top of the eighth.
1: Meanwhile, the Mariners would have a chance in the ninth, facing Steve Ciszek, who you know, think back to the last time the Mariners faced the Cubs. It was at Wrigley Field on Sunday Night Baseball, and it was actually C-Sheck pitching for the Mariners that the Cubs came back against, and the Cubs would win that ball game, a thriller at Wrigley. So the Mariners, a few years later, trying to verse those roles, trying to come back and get a win against C-Sheck, working for the Cubs, they had a chance with a couple runners on C-Sheck in the ball game trying to close it because their closer was down. But the Mariners could not get it done. Seashek gets the strikeout to end the ballgame.
2: And the 3-2 on the way to Bruce, and it's strike three called on the inside corner. And the ball game is over. The Cubs hang on and win it by a score of six to five tonight. And they take game one of the brief two-game series.
1: Tough one for the Mariners. They lose six-to-five, and now we'll try and bounce back today. 340 first pitch, John Lester. Kid will go for Chicago. Marco Gonzalez will go for the Mariners. So really good matchup today at T-Mobile Park before an off day and then the long, long road trip. Let's hear from the skipper. here, Scott Service.
5: Got a lot of things right tonight. I just didn't quite get it over the hump there at the end. Yeah, you know, we, uh, yeah, we played a good ball game. Uh, played well defensively. I thought Felix uh you know uh gave us a chance he kept us in the ball game uh you know a good curveball again tonight. He had seven or eight strikeouts, uh, which is great to see you know they they touched him for a few runs uh but you know overall, I thought he competed very well um got through the sixth inning uh, thought sixth inning might have been of the best innings of the ball game, so again, he continues to throw the ball well and and roll um you know offensively. you know we got some help you know they they made a few errors for us and and we took advantage of that early in the ball game and uh, yeah, just didn't, you know, get the big hit. Obviously, it was a scoring position we had. You know, the double plays late in the game certainly hurt us. I think the, the sixth and the eighth and the ninth. Uh, those are big, you know, turning points. Double plays are, you know, they're momentum killers, and, uh, you know, they got the, they got it done tonight.
0: Uh, Felix seems to be throwing the curveball more and more. Obviously, he's very comfortable with it. Seems to be effective against the righties and lefties. What do you like about it and that this sort of shift toward using it more. How has how that sort of come about?
5: Well, it's, it's not just a curveball. It's a really good curveball. Yeah. You know, and, and he's always had that pitch, but, uh, you know, locating it very well, early in the count, getting it in the strike zone, late in the count, taking it out of the strike zone, uh, it's a big weapon for him, and I think he's realizing how effective that can be. you got to stick with it. You know, and... and uh, you know, he made a few mistakes on, on the fastball tonight, and they were on him. Uh, but once he got rolling with all of his pitches, uh, it was good to see. Again, I, no issues with the way he threw the ball. I think very competitive, and, you know, he, he kept us right there. Did so
0: with the situation to to their lefties and then we brought him in? To, but they, they seem to stack their lefties, space them out enough where you can't just...
5: Yeah, you have to pick your spots, certainly, uh, with Ross Cup uh, down there and, and I thought he did a really good job, threw the ball well. He got Descalso and Arizzo out in the ball game and you know, Brennan's been awesome. He really has off to a great start uh, with us a really good month uh, you know gets the two quick outs uh, you know in the eighth and then you know Contreras jumps on the, the first pitch double and you know he left the ball up obviously you know, you know we'd done a pretty good job against Schwarber all night uh, he just left a, you know a changeup in a bad spot and, and Schwarber was all over it so uh, again, no issues Brennan's competed very well he's continuing to learn on the job so to speak at the major league level he's a rookie uh, he just made a mistake and, and we paid for it tonight. Uh, Elias was not available. Yes, yes, he was not available. He's he's been uh, a little tender, you know, uh, after the the cup leaning outing uh, the other day. So he was he was not an option tonight, which does dictate how you handle things there later in the ball game. And Carnacion
2: seems to just keep coming up with. Big hits for
5: you. Yeah, Eddie's been really consistent uh, the, the whole time once he's got on a good roll. And it's, there's a reason this guy's got almost 400 home runs in this league. He's really patient at the play. He knows what pitches he can handle. And he seems like he always puts a good swing on it. Doesn't always get a great result. But, uh, you know, the swing is always there. He's very aggressive when he's hacking at it. And, you know, you love to see him up there in big spots. Huge home run tonight, uh, you know, to, to get us right there. But Again, you know, chances is late. Um, you got to give them credit. Uh, you know, they're shortstop. He can turn some double plays. He's got some kind of arm. Uh, Baez does, and kind of a difference maker in that type of game tonight. Is
2: his hand all right? It looked like one of those grounders Ben Yeah, lines, yeah.
5: He's, he's okay. He's not going to miss any time with, with that. And, you know, and Cornelison's you know, done a really nice job at first base as well.
1: Yeah, Baez played a really good game at shortstop and was a big key. Those double plays really hurt the Mariners, of course. Not a surprise in a one-run game that that could make the difference, and it did. Chicago wins the first game. Why don't we hear from Felix Hernandez what he thought about his start last night against Chicago?
4: I uh, just, I mean, trying to go back to that fastball. I mean, he's a leadoff hitter. And I left that one in the middle of the play, and they hit a homer. So
5: so how much effort did it take to kind of recenter
4: and get back to what it was that you were doing? No, it was just a, just one homer. So I just got to get back in there and just do my thing, keep throwing pitches. We got a pretty good good plan. And then we'll go from there. So. Back to back outings of eight strikeouts apiece, what
3: does that tell you about where
4: the stuff is at? I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm feeling pretty good. That's the main thing. I mean, my body feels good, I don't feel good. Pitches are doing what they're supposed to do, and then sort of the matter.
3: How important is the plan and what you're doing and sticking
4: to it? I'm just following our bias. I mean, every time you call a pitch, I just throw it. So we got a pretty good plan. It
5: looks the uh,
1: you know, one way there, the other one was. Yeah, it was, that, was,
4: that was on me, man. That was my fault. I fell behind. I should have put him in first. Mm-hmm. You know, we never fastball away, and I just missed a spot.
1: It looked like it was still off the plate. He just kind of
0: It was.
4: Out. It was up. That's why it was up. I mean, but he's stepping on top of the plate that's why you get like in the middle the curve
2: still, seems
4: like some your... here. Yeah. yeah it's been working yeah. so gotta keep throwing it. That, I mean, you've always had a good curve you
0: just just, you know,
4: just a chance to up. yeah I had a good curve but back then I had a good change too so I really don't I don't know how distribute it, So and uh, now my two seam is moving pretty good so I'm missing everything right now. How much of that is you versus what Narvaez is calling? I know that he's calling it and you're following along, but how much conversation do you have with him before the game about that? Well, we talk a lot. We talk pretty good. So, you know, the game plan, I follow him. He follow me sometimes. We're talking to that guy, So. so
3: kind of a challenge? Is it facing a lineup like this? You don't see them, but you know that is a good lineup over on the other side and they're, they can be patient, too.
4: Yeah, I mean, if you throw stride, you can get those guys out. So, it was fun. I mean, facing the Cubs, so you got pretty good lineup, so it was fun.
0: Felix, is there something about your curveball now that's working better for you that you've developed it already or anything? Is
4: it just... I will just keep trying, that's so. all. There
1: was Felix after a, a Solid start against Chicago last night. So Mariners will try and bounce back today, 340 against Chicago. Marco Gonzalez on the mound will take the ball for the Mariners in game two of the brief series. Right now, Braden Bishop got his first major league start in Mariners uniform. Let's hear from the Mariners center
3: fielder. Braden Bishop up with the big club and in the lineup tonight. He's an interesting player in that since being selected by the Mariners in the third round of the 2015 draft, he's changed his offensive profile significantly, upping his power numbers while maintaining his on-base percentage. Earlier this year, I caught up with him to learn a little bit more about that process, which he himself initiated.
6: I think the biggest thing that changed my career was becoming extremely open-minded. You know, I, you know, I'm. You're obviously gonna get labeled, especially coming out of the draft. You know, I was labeled as a compact hitter, you know, a glove-first baseball player, which I take a ton of pride in. You know, I really take pride in my defense, Uh, but I knew that the my area to grow at the plate was more exciting than the label that I can't hit. Um, And so, you know, I went to very far lengths to try and learn and become a student at the plate and I think it started, I think at first I knew more than I could do Mm -hmm. and then as I started to kind of learn who I was um, as an athlete kind of learn my limitations I kind of got to piece together this philosophy on my own um, that I knew worked for me and you know it's really been nice to kind of see the Evolution and progression of my swing and, you know, where it's going. Um, I still know there's a ton, you know, out there that I need to improve on. You know, I think I'll always be that way, but I think just the evolution of the swing and kind of how it's coming together for me uh, excites me.
3: What kind of opened your eyes to, yeah, you know what, I can do more. I've got a good base here, but I can do more offensively.
6: Um, You know, I think just kind of knowing who I was as an athlete, Growing up, um, being able to play multiple sports at a relatively high level, um, I knew that that I could move, and I know that in order to hit, you have to be able to move. So, um, you know, it's something that I'd obviously keep building on, but I never want to lose sight of the athleticism, you know, in the swing.
3: You knew biomechanics before biomechanics were such a thing. Yeah. <laughs>
6: Honestly, you know, I kind of – that's kind of... It was in uh, 2015 was mm-hmm. when I kind of, like, took this deep dive into the abyss of, you know, <laughs> biomechanics and hitting, and I read Ted Williams' book, and, mm-hmm. you know, I was just really curious at, you know, why I was being... Why I had heard certain things growing up, mm-hmm. but then when I watched with my eyes, I saw different things, mm-hmm. and so that just made me very curious, like, okay, so why are the best doing the opposite of what I'm hearing growing up? Mm-hmm. And so then that's when I started kind of piece together like, very slowly, like, okay, this is what the best guys are doing. And then as data and analytics started getting incorporated, I realized, mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, I saw this with my eyes, and now the analytics are backing it up, so... Uh, yeah, it's just been a weird evolution of the swing. It's
3: like, hey, guys, yeah, <laughs> this is yeah, good stuff. Yeah, seriously, seriously. Uh, so you did most of it on your own to start.
6: Um, yeah, you know, I think I had a couple really good baseball minds when I started doing this. Uh, Jake Lamb from the Diamondbacks right. was one of them because mm-hmm. we knew there was more. Um, <laughs> and so I think that's why we both kind of just dove in and try to figure <laughs> out, you know, why are we seeing different things and, you know. You could, and more so him because he was at the big leagues, he was in the big leagues at the time. Mm-hmm. So you've seen him do it against elite pitching, and was like, this, is, this works, you know, <laughs> like this is sustainable and you can do it over a long period of time.
3: Did you guys work with anyone, or was it more outside of organizations, or has it been more organizational
6: for you? Well, when we started, it was just kind of us, okay. um, you know, it was in the offseason in 2015, and then. Uh, and then once we, once I got back to spring training, you know, it was kind of getting incorporated, like, very slowly, and I think the hitting side's much further behind on the pitching side, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I'd say from 15 to now, the Mariners and how they've incorporated
3: mm-hmm.
6: data and analytics into hitting more on a developmental side rather than a competition side Mm -hmm. you know because once the game starts you know they're very good about competing but you know when you're in the cage and you're in a controlled environment you know and you incorporate these things like you see huge jumps and guys development and i think they've done a really really good job of that
1: now we welcome in hey Goldie. it feels like we haven't done this in a long time is this is this considered a crossover podcast now?
0: Oh, is that well, what we haven't this done is? this? We haven't done this with headsets on. We've done this via text message. That's and true. On the airplane many times. <laughs> right. Which I blame you. For, I blame you for not recording. And fortunately, any of that. well,
1: it's probably best that we don't record <laughs> the most of our, most of our conversations. So, is this a crossover? You know, like an eighty sitcom thing where crossover shows? Is this a wheelhouse, Mariners Pod mashup? Uh, or are, will, you I, you, or are you just you are you just visiting i mean
0: you you are uh you are infringing on trademark by saying wheelhouse Oh, that's right uh but no I, I i'll accept that or do we yeah. need jerry to be here too to make this <laughs> well, let's face really it <laughs> let's face it i'm five percent <laughs> you know, my favorite part of the wheelhouse and I'm, i mean like i hope this doesn't come across the wrong way because i mean this in the best possible way because this is what makes the podcast really good is that when when you see the waveform, like it's going on your computer right now in Audition or whatever audio editing platform, when you see the waveform and you see Jerry's waveform and then you see my waveform, uh, right? Yes. And then you see mine that goes for, like, five seconds. Uh-huh. And then you see Jerry's that goes for, like, five minutes. <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. Aaron's for four, nine seconds. And then Jerry's for four minutes. But, see, that's why it's a good podcast because it's a lot of Jerry, right, and yeah. minimal Aaron. And I think that makes for a very successful
1: recipe. It's like my favorite interview you've ever done. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about, right? Vin Scully, your greatest interview ever. I said 12 words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like a six-minute interview. And it is. It is fabulous. We replay it every year because it's amazing. And I would like to thank you. were just efficient in your word choice.
0: Well, as you and I on a serious note often say, The best interviews happen when you get to the point in the most economical fashion when asking the questions. And uh, I would say I did that with Mr. Scully, and I try to do that with Jerry.
1: Okay, that's great. So I said we'd get to some questions later, but there was a couple of questions that were along these lines, so I'm just going to kind of mash it together, and we'll get to a question right away because this is great. What was the favorite interview you've ever done?
0: Well, Vin does come to mind.
1: Yeah, how I'm can s- it not?
0: Yeah, that was incredible,
1: especially the circumstances on Jackie Robinson Day.
0: That's Vince Scully, was, I mean,
1: the whole thing.
0: It was on Jackie Robinson Day at Dodger Stadium, so that's incredible. That's obviously that's never going to happen again, and we knew at the time this was a one-time-only thing. You are uh-huh. not going to get this opportunity again. Uh, so,
1: and the fact you fended off his handler for an extra few minutes <laughs> made it all worth it.
0: <laughs> when his handler said to me, "Now you said." three minutes right yeah (laughs) yeah and i meant it (laughs) (laughs) at the time sure that's right and by three i meant five and a half possibly depending on how long he goes uh so i that has to be at the very top probably Uh, another one that comes to mind i did like a 15 minute interview two three years ago at comerica park in detroit without k-line and it was incredible we talked about When he was in the All-Star game, was a 20-year-old, and Stan Musial hitting a walk-off home run over his head in right field. We talked about him, and he could recall the specific at-bat late in, like, Game 6 of the World Series that the Tigers won that propelled them to a World Series championship. Talking to Mr. Tiger in Detroit was incredible, and his ability to recall all those finite and minute details was just amazing. Uh, So those two come to mind. What about for you?
1: There's two that jump out. I I talked to Ken Burns here. Which, you did, yeah. Which did I, I not know this. Thoroughly enjoyed. This was a few years You're talking ago. Talking about the Civil War. <laughs> we mostly talked. It was when the the additional inning of baseball sure. came out, and he was making a tour around. And isn't Griffey on the cover of that? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And he talked a lot about Ichiro and Griffey and. It was amazing, and we just sat watching the game. It was during a game, and we sat in a suite and watched the game and talked for, like, 20 minutes, and it was amazing, and I'll never forget it.
0: Were you recording this? Yes. Why have we I never have. played it again?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I should play it again, especially, I mean, each is obviously a huge topic, and he will be. Yes, we should definitely I, I've never
0: have I feel like I've heard everything in our archive, which is about a terabyte, and I've never heard that. Yeah. We should, let's and I put that on you. Yeah. We should
1: play it for a MAG coming up.
0: That'd be great for the MAG.
1: And the other one, Sharon Robinson, you know, it's not – you. I don't know how to describe this. You get used to seeing some of your heroes, some of the current day – I mean, you go into a clubhouse and there's Mike Trout. You know, there's some level where you, you get used to that and you stop getting starstruck, I guess is the word. Right. But that's one of those interviews where we're like, <laughs> I, I am talking – to the daughter of Jackie Robinson, this is incredible. It was one of those where in the middle of it you have this thought in your head, just you know, try and keep it together and ask a good question. Because I thought it was amazing. It is amazing, talking to her. and I
0: love when we get to hear that every Jackie Robinson day. I have a follow-up question, uh-huh. not to take this too much off the rails, and I have a number of answers. What is your biggest interview blunder? because I have like three that jumped to the top of the page for me. (laughs) And two of them involve Bob Melvin.
1: (laughs) Okay, there's one, there's a word I can't say that I don't even know how this happened. Uh, It was during an interview, just I can't even remember the player. And I just kind of slurred a word and it came out. It's a swear word. It came out <laughs> as a swear word in the interview. And I didn't even hear it at the time. It was when I was listening back. Thank goodness I listened to the whole thing back before it aired. And I was like, oh, well, can't play that. At least that part. Edit, edit. Did the player notice it? Did he give you a look? Didn't. That's the thing. He didn't like, uh, I mean, the word starts with an F. And <laughs> he did not. He <laughs> did not react. I wish I remembered. What I word can I you not say? Anymore.
0: Is like this is one word that you trip on every time. Is that what you're saying?
1: No, it just starts with an. No, no, no. You can't say like I can't say it now. <laughs> Maybe off the air, I'll tell you, but I cannot say it right now on the air that's because terrific. that's one that you don't want to say on the air. <laughs> well, that's, that one that one leaps to mind immediately. That is a good one. Yeah,
0: I had one on a more innocent level. When I interviewed Derek Jeter in his final season here in the visiting clubhouse in Seattle. And remember, Jeter made his big league debut at the Kingdom, And so the Mariners gave him a pair of Kingdom seats. Yes. Remember? And everywhere he went, it was this Jeter going away party mm-hmm. and everybody was giving him things. And he'd just come, I believe, they just come from San Diego. And the Padres gave him like a paddleboard or like a surfboard. Right. Like, it's huge, right? And he's getting these huge gifts, truly sizable gifts, all over the country. And when I interviewed him, I remember looking right into those piercing blue eyes of his, and I said, Tarek, well, now you've got a pair of kingdom seats, uh, the surfboard from San Diego. You're getting these gifts from uh, every team in baseball. Do you even have room for all this? And he just stared at me and said, Yeah. (laughs) I've got room. (laughs) As soon as I asked it, i was like, ah, that's a bad question. And then the other one, the two that involved Bob Melvin, uh, one was terrible. When I I was sorting statistics, I was sorting, like, ERA by team, and I sorted it the wrong way. So instead of, like, ascending, it was descending. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so I had the A's as, like, 14th in the league as opposed to second in the league and I can't believe I was this haphazard about it I was like oh yeah that makes sense yeah they're in first place with a 14th ERA and so I interviewed (laughs) Bob Melvin and I can't believe I did this one of my questions was essentially Bob it's pretty remarkable you are oh no you're 14th in in the league and he earned run average and yet A's are five games ahead of uh, the Mariners for first place how do you explain that and he just gave him this look and he said He said this in the interview. Uh, I think you should double-check that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I should. I should sort the right way. Do you have a second? I'll double-check right now. That'd be great. And it was uh, that same year, I think, where I interviewed Bob. And everything was going fine until they practiced the anthem. Uh Like this 80-piece band. (laughs) practice the anthem in the background and I in, in the middle of Bob's answer and I said I just had to cut with Bob I can't we we can't I can't play this. We're gonna get calls and emails of the radio station they're gonna think we're disrespecting that we can't do it in the anthem and I said, do You wanna just you wanna just bang this, you wanna just walk away? I'll wait. I was no. really hoping he'd say he said, I'll walk away uh-huh. and so we just stood there looking at each other for like ninety <laughs> seconds. And then we started from the top again. It was terrible. I haven't interviewed Bob
1: in a while. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Bob has not been on our airways. <laughs> <in some time. laughs> Sorry to take us off the rails. No, that's fantastic. I, I think that's exactly what they were driving for, except <laughs> we went opposite. <laughs> our, low lights, better.
0: our low lights are far are more so memorable. Much better. Yeah, yeah, than our highlights.
1: Okay, here's another one. Let's get to another question. This is from Zach Gonzalez, one of the great podcast listeners. This is a great one. Uh what is your favorite Interleague Stadium? I think this is a great question. That is a great question.
0: I would my my immediate knee jerk would be Bush Stadium. It's yes. my hometown ballpark. Sure. I have a pair of seats of Old Bush Stadium and my home in Kirkland. And so I have obviously great sentimental feel towards Bush Stadium. So if you take like the heartstrings away from it and you don't go chalk with that, I would I would say Wrigley because Wrigley is—it's almost one. I mean, it is one of a kind. I prefer—I'm a Fenway guy over a Wrigley guy. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk two oldest ballparks, uh, but Wrigley, every time you go there, it's going to be sold out. It feels like an event. It's amazing, and if you can go there in the summer when the ivy is is on the brick, and it's just—it's just different, man. So Wrigley, what about you?
1: This will be my first Le- Wrigley trip this summer. So. I mean, I have not been to every National League park, so it's it's tougher for me to answer. Milwaukee will be my first time oh, this yeah? year. Uh, Wrigley will be my first time. Pittsburgh will be my first time this year. There's a couple in the East I need to knock out, so I don't know if it's fair for me. Is to Is there answer a this of
0: question. the NL parks you have been to? Is
1: there one that is your favorite so far? You know what's funny is I really like San Diego. Oh yeah, I mean San Diego. I think great. it's really good, and I. I it never feels like San Diego gets talked about a lot. Petco gets talked about a lot. But I really like it, and I like the the Western Union building in left field. I really like the color scheme, the grass kind of uh, just people get – it feels so San Diego where you can just sit in the grass in the sun and watch a game, which I enjoy. I think it's a very underrated
0: park. I would say uh, Petco and T-Mobile you could put up as two of the most underrated ballparks in the country. I agree with the that.
1: Country. Yeah. Although I will say, you do see T-Mobile on a lot of top when l- those kind of lists are made. t Mobile's usually well. Up I'll there. tell you
0: the list that it always makes is opposing broadcasters. That Everybody loves coming here.
1: That is without fail, and we hear them say it on the air. But believe me, uh, broadcasters when you talk to off the air, they don't tell you that. <laughs> they they don't go around saying. Cleveland's their favorite place or right. whatever they they're for, usually very honest I'm not I'm just saying it's just not something you hear very often but you do hear Seattle you do all the time
0: I would say almost every broadcaster in our division has said to one of us at some point that this is their favorite ballpark
1: favorite ballpark and one of the favorite cities to visit and the stories of what people do is fantastic
0: I I think about all the time, especially on a day like this, as we're recording this, the sky is crystal blue and the temperatures are feels like it's almost 70 degrees outside. I think if if you gave me per diem and a whole day just to eat around downtown Seattle on a day like this. I mean, I guess I live here, so I could just do that at any point that I (laughs) want. (laughs) (laughs) But there's something about about it being different when yeah, it's free time, it's free time. Yeah. But anyway. This is where we are beyond. We are beyond lucky to call this home.
1: Yeah, Kist- I just I just picture Kastig's tooling around in a boat somewhere on Lake Union whenever he comes. He bikes there. The UW campus
0: every time. That's amazing. He capsized Don Orsillo in Lake Union, <laughs> which is the greatest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get to one more. We have time. Do you have time? I have time. Are you okay. Yeah. Uh, this is an important one. This is from uh, Keith Pogue, I think. Uh, what kind of conditioner does Hey Goldie use? Oh, that is very important. Yeah. I would
0: ask you first what kind of conditioner do you use, Gary? I don't need conditioner. Do you just put bar soap on that
1: thing. I oh. just get, I get a haircut like every two weeks is how I operate. You don't, you don't wash in between cuts. I wash, but you know, whatever. My hair does nothing. That's the <laughs> bottom line. It does nothing, so I keep it short. If I grew it out, which I have in the past, I just look like a beetle. It just. <laughs> You know, that's it. I understand. That's, I, Which maybe I should do, but uh, I am a uh, for for
0: years at this point. I've been a uh, a Veda Rosemary Mint guy.
1: <laughs> oh boy!
0: And uh, what did you expect me to say? I don't know. What, you, Not what, that. what, what was I going to say? Actually, I expected that. Yeah. Weldon Barber Letty L E T Y. She's uh, she tames this thing. She's okay. fantastic.
1: I feel like I totally
0: carried that conversation.
1: The whole thing. The whole thing. I did. I think the crossover was very effective. We went way longer than we were planning. We should do this again. You're welcome. We just never see each other, so <laughs> it's hard to actually. <laughs> it's hard to actually do.
0: <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. Gary, fine work as always. Yeah, thanks. You Appreciate got it. it. Hey, are you, did you are you going to make a new uh, intro? New intro on the podcast. I should. You haven't. I've given intro you for m- the podcast or intro, uh, intro for first in, Yeah, for the for the Ad Hey Goldie segment. I've given you some new material. I feel like.
1: Yeah, I should do that. Yeah, you know, you get nothing else. I to mean, do. if you came on more than one, like once every two years, maybe I would. Oh, well, just
0: you know, all it takes is asking. Just remember that. Okay. Okay.